Good morning. A lot of good words in our music today. God's constancy, His, his firmness, His steadfastness. That's what we want to look at this morning, Psalms 37. It's where we find ourselves as we work one chapter at a time through the book of Psalms. As you find your place, I just wanted to I'll mention it a little bit later. Starting the second week in April, we're going to intensify our equipping here at, at, at Battleground. And we, are going to, we want to open up Wednesday nights. Our students have been learning coming to an end in the Bible through studying the Bible. And they've been going through Ecclesiastes. That book is coming to an end and we're going to start Acts. And we want to open that up to, to everyone. And uh, it's just an important time. We're going to talk about it even in the text today. We want to put the tools in your pocket to be able to delight in the Lord. And the way we delight is by delighting in His Word. And so more about that later. Stand with me to your feet. We're not, we can't read the whole thing. As you've, if you've got, found it, you see that it's a rather large chapter. We're just going to read just the first nine verses just to get us started. Direct our thoughts and our minds to God's Word. This is a psalm of David. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. And dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Let's pray. And so, Lord, now we have worshipped you. We have reminded ourselves of your character. And that you delight yourself in loving and caring for your own. And so now, Lord, just show us this truth in the text that is both beautiful and at times sobering. Comfort your people. And Lord, if there be anyone that does not know you here today, would you draw them to yourself so that they may repent and believe and delight themselves in you. Thank you for your word that it produces what you desire for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So imagine you're standing a good ways off. And there seems to be a theme park out there. You can see it in a distance. And if you've ever seen one with one of those water slides, it's up real high and it starts and it winds around. It seems like a wonderful thing. And a matter of fact, from a distance, you may be even envious that they're over there enjoying themselves in this theme park. And here I am wherever I am. And but as you follow that slide, as it winds around, you see that it lands in a big pool of water, and the pool of water is full of alligators. So the question is, 
Would you still be envious of that person on the slide if you knew their end? This is the sort of the sobering point of Psalms 37. He wants to remind us that absolutely we live in a fallen world and it seems sometimes that it pays to be wicked. It seems sometimes that those who suffer the most are the righteous. And we are left here trying to make sense of it. So this psalm is directed towards us, towards the reader. Many psalms are directed towards worship and then it beckons God's people to worship. This psalm is directed towards us. But here's the question today. It's, it's in your nose. Ask it many ways. We'll come back to it. Am I living in fret mode? We're going to talk about that word today. It's an important word in the text. It's repeated. Are you living by fret or by faith? Are you making decisions by fret or faith today? Good question to talk about in your growth groups. It's true that all of us can find ourselves in maintenance mode. Just trying to keep what we've got. Not looking at anywhere else. We can't live life that way. We can't raise kids that way. We can't build a church that way. That's why I'm so grateful for our leadership team. Who keeps me focused on the vision and the future. So here's what we want to look at today. There's a lot here. I want us to see that he's calling us to trust the Lord. And he says, trust the Lord, wait patiently. To trust the Lord is to wait patiently. To wait patiently is to trust the Lord. Knowing what we've just got through singing, that he will not forsake his own. But we also need to trust the Lord because divine justice is coming. Either in this life or in the next. And I want us to see that as we live... We're supposed to live taking refuge. So look at your first point. Trust the Lord. The Lord's people live trusting the Lord will never forsake His own. That's why we study theology. We want to study who God is. Because the more we know about God, the more this drives deeper into our very soul. We can trust the Lord because He will not forsake His own. So verses 1 to 3 begins to set this up. We're going to look at this for a minute. But we know that trust is reliance on the Lord. He's going to get very clear here what that means. I just want you to look at verse 3 to start with. I want you to notice a word that almost got past me in my studies this week. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. I just about missed that word befriend. You know what that word befriend means? It needs to foster the growth of. What does foster mean? It means to encourage the growth of. That's what when we, when we do foster care. We are doing the, encouraging the growth of someone. It says we need to befriend. We need to encourage the growth of faithfulness. We need to foster that in our lives. That's why we trust the Lord, because there's only one place that we can find someone who is absolutely immovable and infinitely trustworthy. And the more you get to know Him, the more you see it. So how do I foster faithfulness and reliance on the Lord in my life? 
Just what we want to look at for a few minutes. First, we want to look ahead. So look at verse 2. We're going to look at this in more in just a few minutes. I just want you to see that fostering trust and faithfulness in your life is to look ahead. For they will soon, talking about the ungodly, for those that it seems like life is better for them than it is for me. They're not, there's no consequence for... The, it says, look ahead. Verse 2, they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. Look down at verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. You're going to look for him and you won't even be able to find him. You see, this is wisdom literature. And wisdom literature always encourages you to take the long view of life. It says the fool lives off the end of his own nose. The wise take the long view to look at our slide illustration. Before you get on the slide, look where it ends. That's where he's encouraging us. Take the long view of life. You'll see through these human schemes. When you rely on the Lord, you can see not only the schemes of mankind, but then you can begin to afford to wait on God's timing and not our own. Come with me to Isaiah. Isaiah. Talk about a packed book of the Bible. Isaiah is that. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Look at verse 6. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Listen to the imagery. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the Word of God will stand forever. You see the imagery? We cannot foster growth and faith in our life by putting our eyes on people and keeping it off of our Lord. It is His Word that stands forever. So we look ahead, but we also look up. Still in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. We have to, in order to foster faith, to trust in the Lord, we must refocus our attention on the Lord Himself and not the wicked. You see, that's the contrast in the Psalms. You're going to focus your attention on that that is immovable and unchangeable and infinitely trustworthy, or you're going to keep your mind on the wicked. So we need to refocus our attention. How do we do that? We need to look up. How do we do that? We need to redirect our emotions. This is what it's telling us to do. We've got to redirect our emotions. Our emotions are involved in our life that we live. Verse 1 tells us to not fret. Fret not. And it says, don't be jealous over the wicked. What does fret mean? Fret is attached to being angry. It means we get agitated. You ever heard somebody said, you ever counseled somebody, listen, you're letting yourself get all worked up over this. Anybody ever told you, why are you getting so worked up? That's, that's what he's saying. Stop getting yourself worked up by 
focusing your attentions and your affections and yourself on the wicked. What's my, if I'm not going to fret, if I'm not going to be jealous because it seems like right now their life is paying off to be the way they are. And what am I supposed to do? If I'm not supposed to do that, what am I supposed to do? Look at verse 4. We do it by delighting ourselves in the Lord. This is how we fret not. This is how we not be jealous of what the world says, how we should waste our lives. He says we should delight ourselves in the Lord. It is He who then will give you the desires of your heart. The world can't give you that. Delight. What does delight mean? There's a, the word has a softness to it. So here's my question. Is delighting more like ice cream or more like silly putty? How many people remember? Do, we have, do they still have a silly putty? They still have silly putty? Praise the Lord. Wasn't that good? I mean, I can remember silly putty when I was young. Well, what expectation? If you pop that, I don't know if it still comes in an egg. When I was young, it comes in an egg. You opened up the egg and you asked silly putty, silly putty, what is your expectation of life? Silly putty has no expectation of life, does he? He's pliable. You pull, him, you pull out that little rascal, and he's pliable in your hands. You can get him up in a ball. You can stick your matchbox car in him. You can put him over the funny papers and pull him off, you know, and you can see it. To delight yourself in the Lord is to be pliable in the hands of God, and you will not do that if you do not trust Him. This is an aspect of delight. Yes, it's enjoying Him. That's why we want you to understand how to study your Bible. Because we want you to delight in Him. But we also need to know in order to not to fret over the world and what they are doing, we must focus ourselves with, by delighting. We must be pliable in His hands. We must enjoy Him. Luther, Martin Luther is true when he says, that which moves a man is his God. What does he mean by that? That which stirs the affections, that which we treasure, is our God. This is what David is saying. Good growth group question in your growth groups when you go, why would the godly be envious of the wicked? I'm not going to, we are answering that question, but talk about that more in your growth groups. So we need to look up by directing our emotions. We also need to look up by entrusting our way to His way. That's in verse 5. Look at verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Now, 1 Peter tells us to cast all of our anxieties on Him and He will care for us. That's true. That's part of this. It presumes that you and I are going to fret. We're going to fret. We're going to get ticked off because these, this seems to be they're getting by with it. God, you're not doing anything. They take and they take and they take. When are you going to act, God? It, we, this, this involves more than just abandoning that. That's true. 
This is entrusting God with our whole way of life. This is all of it. This is not just the parts that we don't like that we want Him to change. (laughs) This is not just the people we don't like that we want Him to change them. This is that you are in His hands and that He can choose to form you and to use you as He sees fit. And you delight in that because He is trustworthy. And here's what else it involves. Look at verse 6. To look up means we redirect our emotions. We entrust our way to His. It also means that we must be willing to entrust our reputation to His vindication. We can't parent our children wondering what they think. This is consuming us. This is why much of our parenting is being done in fret mode. Because the fear of man has created envy. Verse 6 says, He will bring forth our righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. The Lord is in charge of our reputation. What people think of us in this world is not supposed to inform our decisions. Our Lord and His Word informs it. This is our assurance. He will bring righteousness and justice to bear in my life because He is my Father. That's what He's saying. This is how we foster faith in our life. So we look ahead. We look up. And we live constructively. This is what verse 3 is telling us. You trust in the Lord and you do what? What does it say? Do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. I love this. Dwell in the land. (laughs) This is our reality, isn't it? We have to live here. We live here. We have to trust in the Lord as we live in a world where most people aren't. Have you ever noticed, if you ever tried at parenting or you ever worked for a pretty hard person, fear, worry, anger, envy, they're terrible motivators. They don't work very well for long term to try to motivate your kids by fear and shame. Work for a little bit, it'll usually backfire on you. We delight because we trust We have a place that we must live in. And so what we are doing as we are trusting is obedience. We're doing good. A faith that trust obeys. It's a living faith. Romans 12, 21. Romans 12, 21. We live in an evil world. That's true. Here's what we're supposed to do as we live in the evil world. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's what we're saying this morning. You can actually begin to fret over sin and begin to sin yourself. You can become sinful over the sinfulness of others. Just trust in the Lord and do good. So the Lord's people live by trusting. The Lord's people live by waiting on divine justice. And I know this is not focused on much from the pulpits and even in our life, but Psalms and Scripture is full of the two sides of God's justice. He starts here in this section 
in verse 7 by saying, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Got this word again, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way. We learn a lot right there, don't we? (laughs) What are we waiting for? See it? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. This word, wait patiently, has endurance in it. It can even mean similar to the way commit means. It means to entrust. There's, in other words, in the life that you live, perseverance is required. Persevering is waiting patiently. It's not just talking about being quiet. Not just talking about me having some me time every once in a while. When is the last time, brothers and sisters, you've sat quietly by yourself with God's Word, a pen in your hand and a notepad and say, show me your way, God. I will not get up till you show it to me. And if you show it to me, Lord, I'll teach it to someone else. Because I want to delight in you. It's just what we focus ourselves on as we wait. We wait Expecting God to act because He said He would. And when He acts, brothers and sisters, it is both wonderful and it is both dreadful. This is why we don't fret. Because God is good and He knows how to dispense justice. We don't. So just a minute on this fretting again because it keeps coming up in the text. Waiting patiently. Hard for us to be still, wait patiently, and don't fret because we're inundated by things, isn't it? So here's the question. This question came up in my study of Ecclesiastes this week. Is gaining information the same as gaining wisdom? If, if it is, we should be the, the most patient, comforting people on the face of the earth because we're inundated with information. The reason that many of us are fretting ourselves to death is because we spend our mornings on the news channel and not our Bibles. We spend our our mornings on social media and not the Lord. And what causes this when we inundate ourselves with something other than delighting in Him and waiting on Him is fretting. It causes us to busy up our lives because this is the way we manage our anxiety. We manage our anxiety not by waiting on the Lord, but by busying ourselves up. And because we're so scared of what's going to happen to our children, we busy their lives up as well. Listen to verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Listen, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. That's a good warning today for us. As we wait. Turn with me to Psalms 46. This is the message whether you're 8 years old this morning or 80. Psalms 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Oh, parents, grandparents, 
church, that we would learn that the greatest thing that we can remind ourselves and teach our kids is to be still and know that our God is a sovereign God and one day He will be exalted among the nations. He will be. We will bow to Him now and declare Him Lord or we will bow to Him then and declare Him Lord. And we urge people because we see the sliding board of their life ends in hell to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. He is the only place that they can find delight. So we are supposed to be still. We're supposed to fret not. But verse 9 to 11 says that we should expect justice. We, should, we can expect it. Here's the promise from God. Who has never not fulfilled His promise yet. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, verse 10 the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at, the, at his place, he will not be there. Verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Do you see it? We've been talking about this. There's always two sides to justice. There's the negative, as it were. There's the positive. There's the negative. Verse 9 even suggests that, and we see, know that to be true, history and even in our lives that the wicked experience a premature end in verse 9 look at verse 13 God has already set the date the Lord sees their day coming this is what we know you see trust is a fervent expectation of justice it's part of your reliance on the Lord is that you delight yourself in Him. That you, that you put yourself in His hands. But you also understand this. That there is both a now and a not yet to justice. And we don't get to pick. God chooses when He brings justice to bear. Matter of fact, the more you know of God. The more that you will look at people. And cry, mercy, mercy, mercy God. We are part of that, aren't we? God showing mercy on us. But look at the positive side. Look at verse 11. We will inherit the land. Verse 11 sounds like Matthew 5 5. Matter of fact, one commentator said that Psalms 37 is an exposition of the, of the Sermon on the Mount. It's pretty good. Matthew 5 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Brothers and sisters, we have a promise and an expectation that God has given to us. We know what our future holds. Psalms 2 verse 8 and 9 says this, Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. The Lord's people live trusting, they live waiting and they also live distinctly. They live distinctly. This is actually the main center of the text today. You ever ran on a treadmill? So that was always so aggravating to me. Why can it be aggravating? Because you don't really go anywhere. You ever see those new exercise equipments have? They have like a they have like a screen in front of them. You can see like you're running in the Grand Canyon or you're running at the beach. You know, that kind of thing. Here's what it's saying. 
If you run on a treadmill, you get the benefit of exercise. That's what it's saying about the wicked. The ways of the wicked are futile. They're useless. That's what that means. So he's contrasting wicked, righteous, hope, futility. Verses 12 to 13. Look at what it says. The wicked plots, verse 13, but the Lord laughs. That's why it's futile. Because in all their plotting against you or against the Lord, the Lord sees it and the Lord laughs at their plans. Here's what His promise is, verse 14 and 15. Though they draw their bows back at us, or the poor and the needy, that's, a, that's the word picture for the righteous there. It's going to come back on themselves. They draw the sword, but the sword turns back on them. You remember, you remember in the story of Esther? Haman hated Mordecai. He hated all Jews, but he especially hated Mordecai because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. So you remember what he built? He built a gallows. He was going to hang Mordecai. Who ended up swinging from that gallows? Haman. This is the Lord's promise. This is why their plans are futile. In verse 16 to 17 reminds us, better is the little with the righteous than abundance with the wicked. For the arm, this is the picture of strength there in verse 17. The arm is a picture of strength. For the arm of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. That means the picture is the Lord's strength. His arm will uphold the righteous. We see there that the prosper, their prosperity is temporal, but the Lord's care for us is forever. We are held up. We are uphold means to support or sustain by His sovereign power. This is why the ways of the wicked are futile, but the ways of the righteous are full of hope. So in verse 18 and following, he begins to focus on that. The Lord preserves His people in difficult times. But look what happens to the wicked. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage remains forever. They are not put to shame at evil times. For days of famine, they have abundance. Look at verse 20. But the wicked will perish. So you have a contrast. Forever perishing. Verse 21 and 22. This gets to the heart of wickedness right here. The heart of the contrast. And listen, this is the way we begin to understand how we in fact are practicing our reliance and trust on the Lord. It says the wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. The wicked even in their prosperity, do not, do not pay back. They hoard. They're greedy. They're righteous, even in their difficulty, are generous. You see the difference? It's just what he is saying. It's why their ways are futile and, you, and ours leads to blessing. They, it is we who will inherit the land. It is they that will be cut off. You begin to see these words of wickedness. Perishing, cutting off. They're willingly greedy. Righteous are willingly generous. Verse 23 and 24. We see this word uphold again. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Established means firm. That God establishes the steps of his own. 
That's why we can trust Him. Listen, the truth is sometimes we do fall. Either of our own accord or because someone else's. Here's the promise. It's a good word today. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. For the, uh, the Lord uphold his hand. Yes, we sometimes are cast down, but we will never be destroyed. Verses 25 and 26. This comes back to generosity. You see it? He's saying, listen, so David's writing this as an old man, having seen a lot of life. He said, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. The Lord provides for his own and in turn they bless other people. That's what he's saying. That's why we as a church take care of each other. My generosity is a good test whether I'm living by faith or living by anxiety. If my practice is not first fruits, then I am most likely living by anxiety and not faith. Because faith is a dependency on the Lord that He takes care of His own. And of that we have no doubt. It's what David says, listen, I've lived a long life and I can testify to how my God has taken care of me. And He's allowed me to take care of others. Verse down to 30 and 31. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. To understand that, you have to go back up and look at verse 28. You see, the Lord loves justice and he will not forsake his saints. So what does his saints do? They speak in justice. What does that mean? He wants to make sure, because we all know it to be true, The world is not full of outright wicked people. It's completely full of hypocrites. People who like to act like they're righteous, but inside, as Jesus would call them, they're dead men's bones. Here's what he's saying. Three things here in verse 30 and 31. The righteous, their words should be sincere and true. Look at verse 31. God's word should reign in their hearts. And because they love justice and God's word reigns in their hearts, their heart, they, they order their lives around what is good and what is right. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think about these things. I love verse 33 that tells us, the Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he's brought to a trial. Do you remember Romans 8.1? Is there any condemnation for those that are in Christ? There is no condemnation. That's why we trust Him. There's no condemnation. Turn with me to Psalms 1. I want you to see this as we get to the end. Psalms 1. There's a reversal of a metaphor that he's counting on the fact that you remember Psalms 1. Remember it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, there's that word, is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. Look at verse 3, this is important. He is like a tree, that's the righteous, 
the blessed man, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. It leaf, leaf does not wither and all that he does prospers. Verse 4, the wicked are not so. And so what he does here, hold your place there. Now look back in Psalms 37, verse 35 and 36. He says, I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself out like a green laurel tree. Verse 36, but he passed away. Behold, he was no more. I saw him and couldn't find him. So do you see it? Go back now and look at verse 3 again. The righteous are said they're like a tree that's planted by the streams of living water. And they never wither. And they always produce fruit. Here's the promise that he reverses the metaphor in Psalms 37. And says, they may be green right now. But one day you're going to walk by there. And you're not even going to be able to find where they used to be. It is the picture of a tree that has not only withered and died. But you can't even find where it was. The Lord's people live taking refuge in their lives as they wait. We're not supposed to... Waiting doesn't mean just surviving. Waiting doesn't mean maintenance. It means that as we live, we delight. As we delight, we trust. As we trust, we commit we know God has got our name because He has put His name on our name. I don't have to defend it. It is His. I can live waiting on Him. But listen to me. The text, verses 35 and following is clear. Temporal prosperity of the wicked is a reality. And those who try to promise you the prosperity of the wicked want you to get on the sliding board like the rest of humanity and slide your way having fun hollering all the way to hell. God promises us a greater delight. One that cannot be taken away. One that doesn't pass away like in verse 36. He promises us that we can count on the temporal prosperity of the wicked in verse 35 and 36. In verse 39, he tells us that we can count on times of trouble. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. We wouldn't know how good our God is if it weren't for the trouble. Even the trouble is a gift from God. He's, we see He loves me. He saves me. He has provided something that's immovable in the midst of a broken world full of, full of wickedness and trouble. You see, God gives His people something that the world has no point of reference for and it's called peace. Verse 37, Mark the blameless. Behold the upright, for there is a future the man of peace. Oh, you know what I heard when I read man of peace? Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We can live in peace in the midst of the prosperity of the wicked. We can live in peace 
knowing even in the midst of the trouble of our lives because we have been justified with pay, pay, by faith and we now have peace with God. Romans 5.1 That only comes through the Lord Jesus. God has provided us peace. And listen, there's nobody who can take that away from us. We live by faith because we live into peace knowing that we have peace with God and that no one can take that away. The Lord's people live in refuge. He sends refuge. We respond by taking shelter in His refuge. And it is here that we live. 2 Corinthians 6. You can go there if you want. I just want you to, rem to remember something with me. Everywhere Paul went. Remember Paul? Persecutor of the church. The Lord saves him. And he says, I've got a job for you. You're going to go amongst the Gentiles and you're going to declare the gospel. Paul was sent out by the church to plant other churches amongst the Gentiles. And that he did. Do you ever notice what happened everywhere he went? I mean, Paul is doing what God said to do. In his first encounter, he has to be led over a wall because somebody's trying to kill him. Everywhere he went, he got beat on. He got ran out. And even when he did plant churches, he did everywhere. As soon as he left, the false teachers came in and they started sending going, you can't trust that guy. He's lying to you. 2 Corinthians 6, or 5 and 6. He, lit, he gives this laundry list the hard times in his life. Because of all of that hard. What he experienced. 2 Corinthians 6.10 He says. As having nothing. Yet possessing everything. He could have lived in fret mode. But instead he lived by faith. He could live constantly worrying. What people thought about him. Or he could simply go about the mission of God. That God has given him. Here's my question for us today as we close. Do you believe that the Lord will uphold you no matter the circumstances of your life? Turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah again. Isaiah 40. Look at verse 28. Isaiah 40 verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him that have no might, he gives increasing strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Listen to verse 31. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not be faint. Whether you are a person trying to live out your faith in a, in a job that has almost or absolutely no believers in there. Whether you're simply trying to parent your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We need to ask ourselves this morning... Is there some things, some motivations, and some actions that I need to change? 
because I'm living by fret and not by faith. This is why, and I want you to understand it. So I'm coming back to it as we close. I want you to understand the urgency that we as your pastors and leaders feel that you know how to delight in the Lord. I cannot just say delight in the Lord and not show you that there is a way that you can grow deeper in your delight of Him. I want you to know how to do it. That's why we want you to come on Wednesdays and study how to study the Bible. This is why there needs to, I want you to study the text next week along with me. And I want you to know how to do that. Because in doing it, God reorients us towards the cross and towards His sufficiency and our insufficiency and makes us more like Him. And when we do that, we find ourselves being more focused on Him and less focused on them. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Therefore let us, those who suffer according to God's will, entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. So Lord, we are here today. And Lord, every message requires a response. What do I need to entrust to you today that is robbing me of my joy in you? What do I need to repent of today that may be robbing my children of their joy in you? Thank you that you've given us a promise that says we oftentimes fall and mess up, but you're always there. With your strong arm to lift us up. And so now we rest in your sovereign hand. That you promise to carry us through this life and into the next. Thank you for a people that you have ordained to walk through this life with us. To be on mission with us. And that... This shows the display that we will not forsake each other. Lord, now as we come, we now respond to you in our worship. And may this not just be a song. May this be the desire of our heart. May it affect now the way we live and joy and dependence on you. So now, Lord, receive our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us.